Welcome to the Finding Success Show, where we interview successful people so you can learn what it takes to find your own success in business and in life. Coming to you live from the Jersey Shore with your host, Justin Bosak. Abram Covella and Steve Libman. Welcome back to the Finding Success Radio Show, where you have uh, Justin Bozak, Stephen Libman, and we got Andy Chase in the studio with us today. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining with us, man. Thanks Appreciate for having it. me. That's pretty cool. Yes. Nice being a guest on somebody else's show. Yeah, right. For <laughs> once, yeah. No pressure. Nothing. Yeah. I won't more, curse. I promise you. More pressure. <laughs> you promise us. So Andy's um, on the Hawk, yep. right? So that's where you guys have recognized his voice from. And uh, that's why he's saying it's nice to be a guest on somebody else's show because it's usually him on this side of the microphone telling everybody else what they're doing and what's and going on. Nobody wants me. Nobody really wants me, actually. So <laughs> I, I want it's nice you. to be wanted. So, but no, I appreciate being here. This is cool. This yeah, is man. cool. Well, you have a ton of experience behind the microphone, and uh, hopefully, we can pick up some tips and tricks from you. Yeah. <laughs> what about that? So, so why don't you give us a little bit of a background, kind of where you came from, what you're doing now, and what the future looks like? Well, right now I'm on 1057 The Hawk. I do afternoons. Yeah, uh, I've been doing a f- uh, full time on The Hawk now for 11 years. But uh, back when I was just trying to find myself, I guess like you know, after I graduated high school, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I went to community college for a year. After that, I went to University of Buffalo for a year, and uh, they. They recommended me to find another avenue of education. So I didn't do, <laughs> I didn't do very well there. Um, I actually was, I started getting that bug for communications a little bit. I went to Buffalo, but it was more of a communication and science, not really like broadcasting. And I really didn't, so I kind of partied. And I came home and then uh, I, I was, I wanted radio. I, I got that bug. Um, one of my biggest uh, influences, I think, was uh, Scott Shannon from Z100 when he came, sure. when he, when he came to New York, I guess in the 80s. And it was a Z Morning Zoo. I'm like, what is this? This is like awesome. Like it was just wacky. It was fun. And that's when I started getting that radio bug. And then um, when I came after University of Buffalo, I kind of wanted to go with radio. Syracuse is a great college, great university, just very expensive, couldn't afford it. Um, And I went to Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn and they had a a great radio station. And it was run like a commercial radio station. And uh, I just got involved and... uh, uh, from there, I'm like, I, I like this. So I, what I, was it about radio that drew you to it? Just kind of... I, I don't know if it's just the, how real it is. Obviously, music. Of course, music was, was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've, I like all genres of music. And, and it was just something that was like... I, I was also a big believer. I, I, I need to do something I want to do. I can't sit behind a desk and just push papers. I, ca- I can't do that. And so Andy I, Chase wasn't going to be an accountant. No. no. <laughs> or if he was, he'd be a terrible Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just, I got that radio bug. And all of a sudden, like, you know, from being a terrible student in University of Buffalo, taking classes that I really didn't care about and my terrible GPA, next thing you know, I'm taking classes. I was doing what I like to do, you know, at school, part of the radio program, taking radio classes. And, like, my GPA was, like, you know, 3.8. Three seven, where mm-hmm. that was unheard of for me. Well, you were yeah, interested, right? right? Yeah, I kind of was engaged. The same thing with my, you know, with with college. I yeah, was, I was going for accounting and mm-hmm. didn't like it. Didn't want to do it. You were going for accounting? Yeah, I did not know that. It was a family thing, you know. Dad's my brothers are a family of accountants. Well, yeah, I, dad and grandfather. Oh, know. okay. Yeah. Open up the uh, <laughs> the Bozak firm. Yeah, no more debits or credits. Bozak, Bozak, <laughs> and Bozak. <laughs> 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 no, nah, it just wasn't my cup of tea, and then you had to take English, and I hated that class. It was terrible, and I was just like, get me out of here. Can't do it. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we touch on this a lot during this show. I think 
the crux of success, regardless of kind of how you define it, is you got to be free to do what you like to do. I mean, how many people end up going into careers because their dad did it or their grandfather did it or their school told them this is what you'd be good at and they're just miserable, right? And then you have to go pivot when you're 25, 30 years old and go find something brand new. Sure. So I think it's okay to take the time to figure out what you like to do, what you're good at. You know, I think school does a really poor job right now of telling kids, oh, you're getting C's in math. We got to make sure we focus on math, get that up to a B or an A. So I disagree with this, right? right. I'm teaching my six-year-old right now, like, you're crushing math. You're not so great at this. Let's continue to crush math. Right. Let's, get, let, let's, let's make sure that we're doing okay over here, right? We're not failing classes. But to focus on your weaknesses rather than your strengths, I think, puts you in that position where you're kind of always feeling inadequate, never really feeling fulfilled. So, yeah, if you take a, take the long approach and say, this is what I want to do with my life because I yeah. like it. It's interesting. I'm getting a 3.8 now when before I was getting kicked out of school. Like, what's the difference there? It's interest. Yeah. And if you focus on your interests, you know, there's the cliche, right? Like, do something you love. You'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> but the you truth is. I tell people all the time when they're coming to the studio, I say, it beats working. It beats I, working. I say that. And yeah. I, you know, and it's like, it's, it's cheesy, it, it, whatever, but. It's kind of the truth. I mean, I'm I'm in this a beautiful studio. I got music. I'm talking. It's my opinion. It's it's, and I'm having fun doing it. You know, I, I know a lot of people who are making a lot of money, but are miserable at what they do. Yeah. they're miserable. And I'm not making a lot of money, but I'm happy with what I'm doing. I'd like to make more money, of course, but I think it'll it'll happen. You know, it. it, it I, I believe it will. You know, but you'd look at some people who are just miserable, and they've got all the money in the world, but how? I, I couldn't live my life that way. I just yeah. couldn't. I'm, Great. you know, I couldn't do it. And you could have all the cars and and houses and all that. And but if you're just miserable and you wake up every day, oh, I gotta go here and I gotta do this and whatever. Right, right. I I couldn't do that, you know. And um, I you know, so I, it's good to. I personally believe just do it, do it, do, do what you love. Yeah. And 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 the finance. I think the money, the reward will be there. It'll it'll get there. It might take a while. Yeah. You know? And the reward might not be financial, right? Sure. I mean, eventually, I, I agree. Like, eventually, it'll pay off. Mm -hmm. But you got to sow a lot of seed, yeah. right, before it gets there. I mean, I'm 48 years old. I've been working full-time here now, full-time for 11 years. I've been doing radio since, like, you know, started in the 90s, though. And it was a, it was a long haul for me to get a full-time job in this business. I don't have the greatest voice, you know. I'm definitely, I think my delivery on the radio is definitely not your standard Hey, you know, like that, like mm -hmm. the, the guys that you hear on the radio, whatever. I, I'm myself. It's personality. And family told me, like, you know, maybe it's time to start looking for something else. Right. You know, and meanwhile, I was bartending. You know, I was DJing in clubs and I was doing weddings and all that. And I stuck with it. I finally got my shot to be full time when I was 38 to be full time. I worked at WKTU in New York City for week, uh, did weekends and, and fill in for three years. That's a union. It's great money, whatever. I loved it. Uh, but it lasted three years. Um, I worked at another local radio station for a bunch of years. You know, uh, stations get sold. You kind of lose your job, whatever. But I, I stuck with it. And, you know, people told me, maybe you should look, you know. My father's an insurance agent uh, out in Chicago. And he's one, one of the things that he would love for me and my brother to do is just follow his footsteps, take over his business. And he's very successful. Mm -hmm. He's very successful with, with what he does. But I just couldn't do it. Yeah. You know? And I, had that, and I had that crutch to fall back on. Like, you know what? I'm going yeah, to leave radio. I'm just going to go work for my father. And, you know, and I have, I'd be set. Right. You know, but it's not something I, 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 I could do, I could do every day. 
I think so. he, you know, had to start a radio division. <laughs> so, I mean, dedicating that time, mm-hmm. you know, to run a business, you yeah. know, like I know we know what that looks like. I mean, you're 60, 80 hours a week. If you don't love it, then what are you doing? My father's 81. No, he just turned 80. He turned 80. And he's still going. And he's still going. And he wants to stop, but he can't. Him. Like, he just can't either, though. Like, it's he can't his, sit still? He can't let it go. Uh, can't sit still, I think. You know, he says, you know, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to slow down. Uh-huh. You know? And he can't, like, he just can't. And he's 80, and he, he's a very young 80. And uh, he started to see, I think he, he would like to start maybe a little bit, but he still can't, though. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Well, it's probably his baby, right? I mean, he founded the company? Yeah, I mean, it's just him. It's his only, it's, um, he sells um, disability and uh, life insurance. And when he was struggling, when he was, um, you know, married to my mom, um, he was doing this job, this job, and everything. And then like, he met some guy, whatever, he, started, he got to the insurance agent. And it was his calling. Mm. And he's been doing it for what, 50 years or something like that. So, yeah, he built, he has a nice clientele. He has a nice business. And uh, he's done very well for himself. So I'm, I'm very proud of him. Because he would say to me, you know, when me and my, your mom got married, I had nothing. And I was struggling to get by. And all I wanted to do was take care of you and your brother. And I couldn't afford to do certain things. You know, I had, uh, I had to go to my parents to, to buy your bedroom set you know, when he was 10 years old huh. and it bothers him, you know, and it really bothers him and motivated him to, to bust his ass, to, to have the life that, you know, that he has. Yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> it's a great story. I mean, you know, and what's great is it's not everybody's right. Yeah. Like it's not your story, right? but it, it was his and it worked for him. And, yeah. um, you know, when we started our businesses, it was the same thing. It was like, well, how do I provide for my wife, but also fulfill what I wanted to do? I mean, I could go out and do any sales job, make six figures, but I can't work for anybody else. I'm unemployable. So. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, you seem difficult, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, feel, I feel the same way, though. I mean, and it was because I my company closed and got laid off. And the previous job, there was a cap or limit on, on what I could do. So it's like, sure, you know, you got to take a little bit of risk, I think, at a, a certain point mm-hmm. and just kind of roll with it and see where it goes. I mean, you could always fall back on certain things if you're younger, but if you're in your 20s, take the risk now. Yeah, I agree. Don't don't wait. You can't take the risk when you're 40. True. <laughs> it's scary to think about. No, it is scary to think about. You well, know? I, you know, it comes with context. So, I mean, if you have sure, a family and kids and stuff like that, then the amount of risk you can take is, is a lot less. Absolutely. Yeah. Nobody's told me that. <laughs> or at least I don't listen. <laughs> Seems like the bigger the risk, the bigger the... But, you know, it's it's even one of those things, you know, like we were talking off air before, um, you know, about when I, I go to a lot of career fair, uh, you know, career fairs and job expos and stuff with, with uh, schools and you see all the kids and everything. And it's like, learn learn a trade, you know, learn something just to fall back on. Bartend, learn to wait tables because, you know... Life's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in this radio industry where it's volatile. You know, there's a lot of uh, stations being sold. iHeart just laid off, uh, I think, a thousand, thousand, you know, thousand DJs and, and uh, lower, lower uh, market employees. And it's scary, you know, and, and jobs are far and few between sometimes in this industry, especially now. And, uh, it's nice to have something to fall back. You gotta go bartending. You gotta wait tables for you know for a couple months just to to find your thing. Do it. Well, know? it teaches you customer service too, which is like I mean, whenever we were looking for salespeople, I always look behind a bar or I always look to my yeah. waiter or waitress because they are interacting with the public face to face, kind of on the fly, mm-hmm. all the time. 
Yeah. Right? Like if they're not getting rattled and they're just nice and they're personable and I'm like, I mean, you can hire for culture and teach anybody a skill set. Sure. Right? So if people are really good at that, I always, I mean, so <laughs> waiters and waitresses out there, right, just be be aware. I mean, I've, be, I've been offered jobs when I was a waiter and when I was in college, waiting tables or bartending. People were like, hey, you, what are you doing after college? Yeah. Oh, I'm doing this. They're like, man, I'd love for you to come and work for us. I'm like, really? Well, that's interesting. Why? Oh, you're just really personable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's so yeah, I mean, it's a skill set to, to have. That's hard to learn too. I mean, that's something where if you're not personable to get people out of their shell, yeah, it's a tough thing. You know, yeah. I've had some smart people come through the door that should have been very successful, but the personality thing fell short. Yeah, and you know, and in real estate, did, did we talk about this before? The the guy who takes his uh, the new hires out to breakfast. Yes, we talked about that on yeah. the show before. Oh, so, have you heard this? Amazing. Is I think so. Inc. Five Hundred Company or Fortune Five Hundred Company. I heard guy, about that. Yeah, he brings them out and he makes sure that the waitress gets their order wrong because he wants to see how the employee would yeah. act under pressure about something so stupid and how they treat the service person. I love that story. It's, you know, it's, it's true that, though. It's how you treat people. Yeah. It's you know, um, everybody should deserve to be treated like a human being and, and with kindness and so to speak. You know what I look at life is too like life is too short. Um not to be too cliche, but there's so many people that have it so far worse. Um I don't know if I change changing sub changing gears a little bit. Like I do a lot of with the radio station I do I do a lot of work with uh, Ocean of Love. And um and it basically Ocean of Love is an organization that helps out families whose kids have cancer. Mm. And you see these kids and you see, and, and what they're going through with treatment and chemotherapy, and they're bald, and they have, you know, and they have pick lines in them, and they have no energy, and they smile still. And these parents, they gotta, you know, they deal with they have other kids who are healthy, and what they're going through, it. You're having a crappy day. We all have crappy days, but the grand scheme of things, what, what's what's your problem? You know, people with road rage. You see these videos, of people with road rage, and you know, it's like, what's wrong with you? It's like you're mad because somebody. Uh, didn't put their directional on when they were turning, and then you got it like you know, you, hey, you know, it, it's like to 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 have that nasty attitude to be negative all the time. It's just not worth it. Yeah, it's you know, you're gonna you be miserable. And when you look at it, like what I said with some of these families and these kids, we do this big fundraiser every year where uh, we raise like 105,000 for uh, for Ocean of Love. I live on a billboard. It's crazy. We could get into that another time, whatever. And and I'll be out there in the rain and, and the cold and everything. And there was one year, I'll never forget, I was just taking a nap in the tent, and uh, one of the families brought their kids by to drop off a donation just to say hi. And I was in the tent. I think I was just kind of taking a nap, and all of a sudden I hear, like, Andy, they're like, come out of the tent. And I come out of the tent, I pit, uh, poked my head out, and there was this little boy downstairs. He had no hair on it. He had no hair. He lost it all from chemotherapy. And he gave me a big smile, and he gave me a thumbs up, and he, he said, I love you to me. And it just it just crushed me. And I think yeah. I still get kind of emotional about mm-hmm. it because it's like this kid, what he's going through. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's like it, it just it, it really crushed me, and it, it made me just put things in perspective. It's like what he's going through and everything. It's like it's life is too short to be upset, angry, and just to be miserable all the time. And it was and it made me really realize, like you know, uh, it puts things in perspective. Yeah, and people are. You know? I don't know. They walk through this world and they're just angry. They're upset. And look, I know it's all based on. There's a root issue, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a root cause sure. as to why people are flipping out on the road. It, it goes deeper than that, mm-hmm. right? The, the problem is that we live in a broken world, right? And people are just not connecting with each other. They have relationship problems, and and then it explodes out. But yeah, when you look at these kids, right, that are going through more than most of us ever will, 
and how they handle it with such grace and gratitude. They just don't want to be kids. Yeah, and, and the parents are the ones, and the parents are the ones that like are really like are stressed out all, all the time because they don't know what it, each day is going to bring. And they have, you know, they still have other siblings. They have other kids in their in their household. And it's like, you know, and you, you get sick, you get the flu, you go to the doctor to give you a prescription, you go home. Okay, fine. But like these kids too, like you know, they're going to not, to get their treatment. They could be in the hospital for four months, for five months. And yeah, life hits the pause months. button. For yeah, the whole family. absolutely. And it's like you know, you're taking the Z pack for your flu, whatever. Um, you see, this these kids. It's just it's just a row of medications and things they're on, and it's it's like. It, it 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 makes you realize that things aren't that bad, and yeah, you know, I'll be having trouble paying your bills and things like that, and or relationships are bad and whatever it is, but it's it's not as bad as some of these families. Yeah. You can have. figure that out, you know. So a yeah. kid in the hospital that's going through chemotherapy, yeah, I mean that's something that can't be solved, you know, no. right away. Mm-mm. And you even going through that process, you know, in a year, you know, you could be gone, but you know, it could come back. You never know. But and just all, and all the other. Side effects that go with it, right? You know, um, you know. So they they get rid of the cancer in your body, but then your immune system's been compromised from all the chemo you're on, um, and you know, you you are not you're not going to be the same again. You can't run the way you you did. You know. Sorry if I just kind of threw everything off course. By the no, way, but, no, 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 no. That's great talk. But uh, well, so you, how'd you get involved with them in the beginning? How'd the Oceans of Love you know, charity event start? And how were you chosen well, okay. to go live in the tent on top of the billboard? <laughs> well, you know, one Who thing came up it's, with that idea? it's, you know, with radio, you try to just give back to the community. Radio is such a, you know, if, if you're watching TV shows, you can't connect with the te- television show. Like, people connect to radio. Mm-hmm. You know, people could call a radio station, listen to, you know, talk, hey, could you play the song for me? It's not like you could call friends and, on TV and talk to Jeff Aniston and things like that. Uh, but, you know, back when I started doing radio, WPLJ was where, my, my, where I first really got going. We used to do a a uh, huge fundraiser of Scott, Sh- Scott Shannon would do at Blydale Children's Hospital up upstate New York. And this was a hospital of really like kids with just a lot of different needs, whatever. And he's seeing these kids and helping out and just seeing the fate. When you could help a family out or help kids out just for being in their presence or just for making sure that they care and the smile that gets on their face, it, it just was one thing that's really resonated with me. You know, so I always thought like, you know, charity was just, it was just helping out the community, any way you can, is very important. Whether, if you can help out, if you can't help out financially, just volunteer, you know? Um, so just being in radio, it's all, it, a big part of it is doing charity stuff, going blood drives, whether it be, or uh, volunteer fire companies having a, a spaghetti night and helping sure. us promote it, whatever it might be. Um, and when I first moved down to Jersey Shore back in, um, uh, 1999, I guess it was, B98.5 started, and a company was looking to do um, a fundraiser to help out a local organization. And one of the things we found out was the big cancer cluster in Tom's River and how many families um, have kids who have cancer. We, we learned about Ocean of Love, and we were blown away by it. So then we were trying to figure, and we were like, we got help. This is local. Um, you know, nothing wrong with the Red Cross or the American Cancer Society, but Ocean of Love, it's Ocean County. Right. You know, they help out Neighbor, your neighbors, you know, your coworkers, whoever it might be, person next door where you live. So we're like, we had a vow. So we just try to come up with different ideas and, okay, let's live on the roof of a building. And I guess we found out some radio station, maybe somewhere, does this billboard radio fund. So we're like, okay. So I was just doing promotions. I wasn't on air. So our morning show at the time, uh, we found a billboard um, in Brick and we turned that into our broadcast. Pl- uh, facility for the week and the radio DJ they lived up on the billboard and they ate up there they slept up there they broadcast from there and we had people 
come on by and drop off money. And I think our first goal was like $25,000 because we didn't know what was going to happen. Sure. And it worked out, you know. Nice. When, when I think it took about a week because it was new. Nobody really knew. But it was one of those things where it was people saw the importance of it because it's local. And and then every year we increased the 25000 50000 And then we moved to a different billboard in Point Pleasant. And uh, it finally got up to, it was 98.5, so we raised 98500 And then when B98.5 went away because the company was sold, we came to the Hawk, a bunch of us, and this company felt like we got to continue doing this, so we turned it to 105000 So when it finally got to the point where we didn't have a local morning show because Free Beer and Hot Wings, they're syndicated. So our afternoon jock at the time, his name was Dr. Phil. He was the guy that was living up on a billboard. Eventually he left. Uh, the afternoon jock, uh, the guy Race, was afraid of heights. Um, <laughs> he's not going up he's there. He's not going up there, so there's Andy Chase. <laughs> there you go. So, but I was honored to do it. I wanted to do it. I've always been part of it from on the ground. You know, being uh, the DJ on the ground, working with the DJ up top. And when I had the opportunity to go up there, I'm like, I'm running, I'm running with this. And we're going to make it bigger and better. And this thing has turned into like... It's huge. A monster. Yeah. You know, we our goal was $105,700, and there's been years when I'm taking $20 bills and throwing it down because we have a deadline. We have to be off the air by 6 o'clock, and we're like, all right, we're at $104,000. we are like, come on, people. We yeah, need to come go. out. <laughs> and now um, we've gotten to a point where, and it's a it's a great it's a great blessing. And we still challenge ourselves every year because I'm afraid that we're not going to make it. Sure. But this year we raised the most money ever. We raised $148,935. That's amazing. And we did it like in three days. Wow. Like almost because we ended early. Yeah. There's a lot of very variables that go with this, but we used to take five days to do it. Now we did it like three and a half days, four days to do it. Yeah. And it just shows that the power of radio, the power of of the community, yeah. how generous this community is. You know, Tom's River, Ocean County, it gets bad rap from the Jersey Shore and all that. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, it's Jersey, Seaside, whatever. These are some of the best people I've ever I've ever been around, one of the best communities I've ever been around. Yeah, I mean, if we can do anything with this radio show right now, it's proving that that stigma that's been attached is mm-hmm. just it, it's completely null and void. I mean, everybody that we've had in this studio is talking about, you know, life and love and compassion and giving back and nonprofits in a way mm-hmm. that just blows me away. I mean, we're, we're grateful to be around people that are doing that stuff. And for people that don't know, the nonprofit space, 150 grand goes a really long way. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I think there was a study done by either Harvard, Harvard or Stanford that said that. Um, nonprofits make dollars go like one to three for where the business world does. Okay. Right. So giving 150 grand is like really giving almost half a million bucks, 450,000 because of what they do, like, and how they make that dollar go so much further just because they have to. Right. Yeah. Well, they don't so, have to carry a lot of the overhead. So when you're doing a lot of volunteers, right. And oh, yeah. a lot of, of gifts. And so even that, right. $150,000. Great. Now I can go and say, uh, hey, Mr. Printer, you know, what, what kind of discount can you give me on this? And they're sure. willing to give back. And they're, yep. So there's there's a lot of hands that make light work in these organizations. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's that's no small feat. That's a lot of fun, too, to be able to be a part of something like that. Yeah, and it, it's very it's just rewarding, you know. And you know when it's – it's just I think also just the thing that's staying in your community. It's helping your neighbor out. It's, you know – the whole cancer cluster happened 30 years ago, I think, Sibagagi, when that whole thing came out. They still, though, there's still so many kids who are still being diagnosed with cancer. Uh, oh, sure, they still have like 60 active families they're taking care of, and they help out everything, you know, wow. uh, gas cards for these families to go back and forth for treatment because they have to go to Philly. They got to go to New York City. Right. Um, you know, the, the utility companies, eventually they don't care. They'll shut your lights off, so they make sure the lights don't uh, get shut off. 
you know, during the holidays. These families can't think of like, oh, Thanksgiving, buying presents for the other kids. So they'll make sure. But Osho Love steps in for just every day. If I always say, if a kid said to Osho Love, I want a polka dotted pink bicycle, Osho Love is going to find something. They're going to find it somehow. They're yeah. going to make it happen. And, and they're an amazing organization. And there's a lot of good organizations as well. But when it's local, when it's in your community, that's when it really, really like. Yeah. yeah. We you get to you, see the impact. Yeah. Like, you know, you watch the Jerry Lewis telethon and they got Coca-Cola donating you know, $75,000 or you got Pepsi donating you know, $100,000. When we're doing this radiothon, it's kids taking a Ziploc full change and drop it into the, into the, mm. into the bucket. That's it's, awesome. you know, we've got volunteers who are on the side of the road with, uh, with boots and they're, and they're going mm -hmm. up to cars and people just dropping a dollar or two in it. And it's just five bucks, five bucks. There's some big donations, you know, sure. some very generous donations and it's just a very generous community. And it's just, it's nice to be part of, um, if I left this company, if I left, you know, the Hawk, it, it, it's tough because like the, that charity stuff I do mm. and that, I, I don't know, like, you know, I'd feel, I'd feel guilty, like, leaving them. Like, it I comes kinda, a part of you. Yeah, doing it a long time. And I like getting involved in, in other things, you know, with, with the Times of Field of Dreams, mm -hmm. the, you know, uh, that Justin's involved with as well, and you as well. Yeah. Um, you know, helping out community, and especially its playground. You know, I'm fortunate. I don't really know many people. My family, thankfully, healthy, you know, but there are a lot of families that, that need this. And just being a part of that and helping out as much as I can, just getting the word out about this, this, you know, special needs playground that's going to be uh, here in Tom's River. Yeah. Just to help out. It's rewarding, you know. I don't have the, honestly, I don't have the, the paycheck that I would like, but I'm very happy and blessed because I could do, I could give it back to the community. Well, I can't maybe write it, I can't write a check for $5,000, but if I could get out there and promote it and help out in and, and yeah. other ways. That's, that could be worth $20,000. You know? Right, yeah, exactly. Just, just the moment, just the time mm -hmm. and the attention. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's great having you on board for, for all these different things. No, because, it's rewarding. Yeah. You know? But it fits. I, I, we know it's true. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. we know that this is something that you're passionate about. So right. like, those are the kinds of people that I think that, that we want involved in projects like this. Sure. Yeah, you know, people say, like, when we first did it, it might have been a stunt, maybe also for the radio station mm -hmm. to get in the headlines, or, you know, local DJ living on a billboard, everything. And it's... It's not that anymore. Maybe it was the very beginning. Yeah. I cry at the end of this, I mean, you know, because when we hit our goal and, and or somebody makes a huge donation and you hear their story and everything, it's, it's real. This is real life. It's heavy stuff. So it's not just a radio stunt. You know, like I've had some people in, this, you know, in, this co in companies I work for, like, you know, it's a lot of time that the radio stations put in. We, we might have to, uh, you know, maybe we might not be able to do this this year. And it's like, we have to do this this year. It's, it's, more, it's not just a radio stunt, you know. We're not playing as much music as we normally do. And, it's bigger than that, you know? So, yeah. Well, it's amazing what you're doing. Thank you guys for listening to the Finding Success Radio Show. We're going to be back in just a couple minutes, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about how there's no shortage of need and our success is tied directly in how we satisfy that need. You're listening to the Finding Success Show. The Jersey Shore's best oldies, Betrayal. We've been fighting the war on drugs for a long time. We answer the phone 24-7. 365 days a year. On a busy night, we answer hundreds of calls. This war on drugs needs our intervention. Since 2014, Addiction Hope and Helpline has helped people struggling with drugs and alcohol. When the phone rings, we help people when they need it the most. When we get a caller into treatment, it feels good. It's a blessing. If you're struggling, drinking, using, and need to get clean, don't suffer alone in silence. Call Addiction Hope and Helpline. Our people understand, and many are also in recovery. 
Call for support and strength. You can call for someone who can't or isn't willing. It's an act of love. Together we can help you beat this thing and erase addiction from your vocabulary once and for all. Call 800-490-1630. Americans have a deep respect for our military and a deep desire to show them the gratitude that they deserve. When those serving so far away receive a small gift box of personal care items and greetings, they know America is behind them. Always Supporting Our Military is a new nonprofit of retired volunteers that meets weekly to send packages to our troops overseas. They need your help to raise money for postage and for items. Each box of toiletries, snacks, and food takes about $18 to send, and they rely totally on donations. Will you help? They greatly appreciate any donations to the cost of postage or supplies, like small bottles of shampoo, lotion, mints, and more. Please visit Always Supporting Our Military on Facebook, email pasrmilitary at yahoo.com, or call 908 278 That's 908-278-9561. Every little bit helps. You're listening to the Finding Success Show. Welcome back to the Finding Success Radio Show. We got Andy Chase in the studio today. We're talking about how to just love on some people, talking about some nonprofits, how to give Mm -hmm. back to the communities. So this is all stuff that we always talk about on this show because, yeah, I don't think success is tied to the dollar, right? It's tied to how you feel giving back, how you're influencing other people. We were just talking a little bit on air about some people that we know that are really successful, but maybe not the best representation of treating people the same across the board and in a healthy way. So there's a lot of downfalls to, I think, financial success. And I think there's a lot of ways that you can look at yourself as really successful by giving back and kind of just looking at human beings yeah. in, in the right light, right? Absolutely. You surround yourself with good people. They're going to they're gonna help. You, we were talking off air, you surround yourself with a good team, and you don't have to work as hard, you know? Take care of them. Treat them like human beings, you know, with respect, and they're going to work for you. Yeah, some they of the best advice work. I ever got was your people don't work for you. You work for them. Mm-hmm. You wake up every day and try to figure out how to make their life easier, their job easier, their job better. And in turn, as the leader, you win. Because as they win, right, a rising tide yep. raises all ships. It's your company. So you win, Justin, when your people win. we got to write that down. <laughs> That's very, very true. It's well, so it's all, true. It's all long term. You know, so the people that cycle through employees, they'll never get ahead. you got to play the long game. So whether you're hiring agents or hiring employees – they have to be a good culture fit, and like you said, you you, you got to make them happy, you know. And and that's part of the job that I think people that are bosses or leaders they just don't get. You got to keep your people happy. You got to show them progression and that they can win and that they can advance. Because otherwise, you're gonna say, well, what, what am I here for? You yeah. know, he can do it all himself anyway. You know, I, I'm easily replaceable. Yeah. Another leadership quote that I heard that resonates really well is, "People don't leave companies." People leave people. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right? If you've ever left a job, you probably left your boss, right? You weren't leaving because the company was holding you down, right? You probably had a personal issue somewhere with somebody, a boss, a colleague or whatever, right? So when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then I'm looking back, right, of all the people that have left me. And I'm like, well, what did I do to have those people decide to leave me as a leader, not my company, right? Because the company looks good. 
we're doing good stuff. But I think that's a good barometer to to recognize is like people don't leave businesses, but, they leave people. Let me ask you a question, because you said it took you years, a couple of things I've been listening to you say, Steve, you're saying like, it took me years to figure this out, it took me years to figure this out, whatever. Were you a tyrant? Like, were you a, were you a, sh- I don't want to curse, but were you like a bad boss? Like, no. Do you think, or, because you seem laid back, you seem like you, you're you a good person to work for. So I, I, can't, I was wondering like if you would like that type of person where you would just kind of... Yeah, so, to the people you work with. So in, in studio, talking about all this stuff, right, it's easy to have an easy conversation. When things go wrong in a business, right, and you have a lot of money on the line or your family's well-being on the line and stuff, stress stress comes. Sure. Stress comes for leaders all the time. Um, what I didn't do was hone my skill set as a leader. So okay. the, the jump from entrepreneur when I, it was just me and my business partner doing all the work right? For five years, that's how our business started. It was just us doing everything. And then we started to hire and scale. And we needed to learn that leadership and that management piece, right? So, you know, not a tyrant by any means, wasn't difficult to work for, but didn't give people the tools that they needed to succeed because I didn't know how to lead them properly, right? So the difference between saying, go get this done, right? And and showing somebody how and coming alongside of them and giving them the tools that they need to say, hey, let's let's go get this done together so that next time you can go get it done by yourself is it was a learning curve. And sure. I, I think leadership, like anything else, can be learned, but you need to focus on it. You need to study it. I mean, if you, some of the best leaders in the world, right? I mean, we, we were with Echelon Front uh, in San Diego in December, in, in October of last year. Echelon Front is a leadership company all run by former Navy SEALs. Wow. You want to learn leadership. Sure. It's a great place to learn, right? Because their decisions were life and death. Yeah. Our decisions are just business, right? Right. So when you start learning leadership from guys like that, and they teach you how to have the mental toughness, the emotional quotient, the ability to deal and make deal with and make decisions under duress, mm-hmm. then you you gain that that extra knowledge and mm-hmm. you can you can do it better but you have to put yourself in stressful situations to do it so when i say over the years it's because i've put myself in many stressful situations and i get better every time because mm-hmm. it becomes easier to deal with because the stress doesn't create the anxiety that it used to mm-hmm. right so no i i don't think i was terrible I, some of my former employees <laughs> might disagree <laughs> but i mean i think overall we were always trying our best Mm-hmm. to do our best, but, you know, it's a skill set that you don't have, so you, you're not doing that great yet, right? What do, you, what do you think, I'm just curious, I mean, I'm 48, and you could see next generations who are, who are getting into the workforce, they, they've got a little bit of a different attitude when it comes to life and things. You know, you want, some people want to use that term snowflake, whatever. Do you see, like, are you nervous about the future? Uh, because it seems like also, like, even the blue-collar guys, that nobody wants to work. Yeah. Like a lot of my friends who have uh, construction businesses, landscapers, like nobody wants to work. They want to, you know, they want to make this money. They only want to work till, uh, they want to work four days a week. They want to have weekends off or, you know, do you, th- you see there being an issue you think? Uh, yeah. I what think do you think, man? I don't hire a lot of millennials, so I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I think people just need time to adapt. I think uh, it's going to take longer for some of our younger generation. The more kinda, coddled you think a little bit more. And- yeah. A little more coddled. Um, they have everybody been, got a trophy. Yeah, everybody got a trophy. <laughs> so, so these kids haven't been through a recession yet. So they, right. they don't know what it looks like to uh, work and then be laid off. Um, 
a lot of them are still, you know, live with the parents and stuff, which which I think is cool, you know, save money. But um, I think a lot of people think it's a little easier than, than what it really is. So that's what scares me, I think, the most about your question is yeah. the – the idea that entrepreneurship is sexy, mm-hmm. right, and it's cool, and, oh, I can go out and make my own brand and build my own business, and everybody could do it, right? Um, well, they Gary Vee talks about made the, it easier now, but again, it's probably easier when now the because crashes. you can have a social media business or whatever, right? But right. Gary Vee talks about this a lot on his podcast where he's talking about the suicide rate of entrepreneurs and business owners. It's through the roof. Really? It has more – it's like it's skyrocketed over the last decade. Wow. And I think part of what that is predicated on is what you were just talking about, which is people thinking it's easier, maybe not being as hard of a hustler and saying, oh, I just got to go do whatever it takes and thinking that it's going to come to them a little bit easier mm-hmm. and then recognizing that when you get your teeth kicked in, it still hurts, mm-hmm. right? So – how do you bounce back when you haven't had your teeth kicked in yet? You right. Know, or you haven't been when taught you how to have that. And you live this life on social media and people start finding out that it's not reality. And yeah. then kind of things start kind of crashing down around. So, you know, I think those opportunities, um, they're short lived too. So, like the Instagram famous thing, mm-hmm. you know, so many kids and so many youth have been able to make money on those platforms that way. But those algorithms are changing now Mm -hmm. Um, and things are changing where your reach and then your ability to make money. I mean, if you're not saving, something happens. We get a a president in that, you know, wants to raise taxes and things kind of start leveling out or or, or crashing a little bit. They're going to go through some stuff that they never went through before and they're they're not going to have the people around them to know how to pull them out of it because they're probably not surrounded by other people that – have been able to survive, you know, sure. a, a crash. I, I think the younger generation, like the millennials, I think though creatively, they're what what they're, what they're coming up with is amazing. You watch Shark Tank and you see all these uh, ideas yeah, and pitches. Like, wow, like that's awesome <clears throat> what they're coming up with. But it, it's like, is it? Too, they think is that easy? Mm-hmm. You're gonna go in. I, I need one hundred fifty thousand dollars for whatever. Because it's and, always put in front of them, like right, the Shark Tank. Even that mm-hmm. is. Oh look, these guys just popped up on Shark Tank and they got a million dollar investment. Mm-hmm. And in a year, they'll be multimillionaires. Usually those companies have been in business for years sure. and they've been struggling and going up and down before they get on that show. Um, you know, you so, want, you hear these, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, you know, you hear these businesses and, you know, they might be making, you know, um, their sales, a couple million dollars in sales, but they're not turning a profit. Yeah. You know? Profitability matters. Right? Yeah. I mean, but I, I think to the core of your question, like, it's a work ethic issue, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think that that starts in the home. I think that starts, you know... M- before they get out of college, I mean, there, there's a lot of studies that have been done now too. The average GPA is up almost a full grade from um, hmm. like the mid '80s. That's fake, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's a problem. Like, no, where does no that come from? You know where it comes no from? It comes from mom and dad kicking down the door of the professor and crying about right. the fact that I, you, you need to give my daughter a better grade or my son a better grade. And so, th- there's this whole thing, right? When your kid comes home with a bad grade. Help them yeah. work on the work ethic. Teach them how to persist through. Don't go crying to the teacher, right? So now that I get better grades and it's easier to get those grades and everybody got a trophy. And I mean what we're doing as a culture and as a society is teaching people that failure is bad when that's not true. Failure is good if you learn from it and can apply the wisdom that you've learned from it into the next stage of life. What do you say? It's, what is it? It's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's about how many times you get it up. That's yeah. right. It's got to get back up. Well, a lot of them don't know how to do it. So if you're sheltered as a kid, you never worked a job, 
you didn't do chores around the house. Yeah. And then you have, you know, you go through school, which is one thing. I think you're sheltered in school, too, because it's it's a fake environment a lot of times. You're yeah. not being uh, prepared for real life. And then when you get to real life and you yeah. see what it is, a lot of kids are just not prepared for it. You know, they don't know what it, t- what it takes to work, you know, eight hours a day, let alone as an entrepreneur, 12 to 14 hours a day, and then have all the stresses and things. So, Do you have a safe space? No. These universities, like the college, the college level, you know, they got these safe spaces where you know, nobody's going to hurt you. Nobody's going to hear anything <laughs> right. bad. And, that's real. And, that's, exactly. That's no, the problem. I've been hearing about this. Is it real? Though? <laughs> I, I think know. it is real. They do. A lot of these, they have, uni- they have, no, they got these safe spaces where like, even like during Halloween, some costumes, they're not acceptable and, and things like that. And yeah. it, it's like, what, what do you learn? You're going to college. That's what you're supposed to learn. You're real. You're supposed to learn life experiences. Yeah, how to and deal with people. How to deal right? with people, right. And people are very triggered now. It's it's unbelievable how angry it is. And whether it's because of what the pre- whatever it might be, it was it was building up before before this current administration. So like you said about society, it's it's you know, GPAs are up, it's fake and things kids are not getting that experience, that real world experience growing up as a kid. Get dirty. Go play in the mud. Mm-hmm. You know? So I had to look this up, right? Because it's safe, what's a safe space in college? I had to look it up. Because I'm, you never heard of this? No, I mean, I've heard of it. But so the term safe space refers to places created for individuals who feel marginalized to come together to communicate regarding their experiences about marginalization, most commonly located on university campuses, but also in workplaces, as in the case of Nokia. Really? So, so I guess now even corporate entities have safe spaces. Um, just so you know, if you apply at Integrity Holdings Group, you will not be offered a safe space <laughs> because Damn. it's just not going to happen. We only have spaces where you can hustle. Right. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what feeling marginalized would look like other than, you know, you feel kind of like a victim, right? You're wearing a, a, make, a make America Great Again hat. Like, right. you know, like that's people... Like you in a safe space, you can't wear that. People get, get upset about. They get that. upset about that. Yeah. You're in a hat. Yeah, but guess what? I think it's a land the of excuses. The world is not a is safe space. <laughs> and that's that's where the that's what a safe space is. And is it is it to be honest with you? Like okay, when when you close a deal and you're winning and, and like you know you're, you're doing what you want, it feels good. Yeah, it's a good thing. You know, not everybody could. You know, and, and that's that. I think you know that's where that struggle. Like you know, if you want to win, you're gonna have to struggle. But it's a great feeling when like you know when I first got my when I got my. Finally, my full, first full-time radio gig. Right. And it, it was a struggle. Years. And then I was and like... a battle. Yeah, my father wanted to throw a party for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. It was one of those things, but it, it feels good. And everybody can't win. But if you're determined and, you know, you put that dedication, that drive, you're going to get there. Yeah, one of my you're favorite... you get there. One of my favorite quotes is, by definition, not everyone can be above average. Right. Like, right. It's by the balance, definition. It's the life balance. You know, I mean, not everybody can be a winner. Not right. everybody could be above average. Like it takes work and effort and things like that to do. I think you don't want people to lose. But I mean, if everybody was a winner, then what are you? <laughs> right. I mean, even Everybody's now, talking, the same. That's good, right? now, now they're even talking about it with college degrees. Right. I mean, so the Democratic Party, regardless of what side of the aisle you sit sure. on, um, you know, the Democratic Party wants to make college free for everybody. Well, guess what? Another waste of money. If it's free for everybody, it doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't mean anything now. No. Right? <laughs> because problem. so it, it takes work and effort and a dedication and the commitment and all of these things to go through to make it valuable. Right? And whether that's work experience or a college degree or 
anything, right? I mean, it's not valuable if everybody gets one. That's why the trophy for every kid is is worthless. I mean, yeah. when your kids are five or six or seven, fine, right? I get it. But when, when they're 15 right. and they've lost, they don't get a trophy because no. losers don't get trophies. I'm sorry. And you Work harder on the off season exactly. and next year, maybe you get the trophy. And that's the fun part about competition. Now, the whole idea that competition is ugly it doesn't train us up to want to be winners anymore, right? right. It it's trains okay. us up to be mediocre, and that's okay. It's okay to cry, right? Crying I mean, is, so... is part of life. Yeah. If you're if you're 12 and you lost, have a good cry. Oh man, I remember losing the hockey championship when I was like 14 years old, right? And we were playing, we were playing hockey, and we lost. Yeah, and it was brutal. But look at like the Super Bowl. You saw 49ers players; they mm-hmm. lost the Super Bowl. Grown men, they were crying. Yeah. But That's they're right. going to come back. That's going to motivate them to be yeah. better next year. And They'll who was back. in the weight room on Monday? Yeah. Right? The losers were in the weight room. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting commentary, I think, on what society has changed. And it's part of the reason that we are doing this radio show is because I think people think that there's some magic in success. And there's really not, right? It's It's hard work. It's dedication. It's finding people around you, finding your tribe, yeah, finding the mentors that can help you get there, yeah. finding the people that you enjoy working with. Like, And one of the biggest questions that we always ask on this show is, is success principled and replicable? Can anybody do it, right? Or do you need this special sauce, hmm. right? I mean, so let me ask you. I mean, do you think anybody could have landed where you landed after many years in the business? I mean, you're talking about tens of thousands of people that probably want to be a jock, right? And you know, there's fierce competition now. Sure. There's now there's radio shows. You're competing with a thousand podcasts, yeah. including mine, mm-hmm. right? So like, there's there's a thousand different places to go and win or go and fail. So, is success something that got you to where you are in your career that is able, you know, that is principled and Replicable. You know, it's, I guess if you want it bad, if you want it bad enough, yes. I mean, people say to me all the time, like, oh, I would love to get into radio. I'm like, I'm like, you're more than welcome to sit in the studio with me. You're more than welcome. And how many come? Exactly. That's my point. Uh, very few. Right. Very, very few. <laughs> and you know what? And I'm not going to be offended by it. No. You know, people are like, oh, I'm sorry to come in. I'm like, hey, if you want it, like, right. you'll be here. You'll be here. Yeah. Exactly. Um, one of the things that I was taught when I was first getting, Go, you know, moving up in radio, I was in the promotions department, and I was at WPLJ, and I asked Kim Ashley, she was the DJ at the time, I asked if I could sit in with her, like, could I kind of, like, just watch? And she's like, absolutely. And she was told by her, somebody, a mentor, whatever, said, I'll be more than happy to teach you or let you sit in, but you have to pay it forward. You have to return it. Mm. So every time somebody, so she told me that, so any time somebody says, hey, can I sit in with you? I want to kind of learn the business. Yes, absolutely, because I'm going to return the favor. If I can help you, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I'm, I'll be more than happy. I'm not going to be like, no, you can't come in because you're going to take my job away. No. Right. You know, but like you said, how many people actually come in? No. And I'm not mad at it. It's just they don't have that drive for it. They yeah. might be successful at something else, but they got to find um, what it is for them. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I think everybody can find success. You just, but you need to want it. Yeah. You need to want it. I think how desire is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How bad do you want it? Right. How bad is that desire? Does it keep you up at night? Like you I know? said, you know, my father has a very successful business in Chicago. And he's been doing it for 40, 50 years. And I could quit radio today and go work with him, take over his business, and I'll be, be set. I'd make a great salary. I'd, my future would be taken care of. I don't want to. I don't want that. You know, it's that, that's not where my drive is. You know, I, I think I'd be miserable doing it. Um, I don't think I'd be as good as him. You know, 
And I, I just think you, you need to do what you want to do. You got to find it. Yeah. And if it is some, just sit behind a desk and inbox, outbox, inbox, outbox, right. whatever. And that's what you do. You know, look at these teachers. Like, you know, they're not making great money. No. And they're babysitting these kids. They got to deal with it. And they, why do you want to be a teacher? Like, you know, I could, it, it blows my mind, but that's, that's where your drive is. It's that's fulfilling to them. You know? Yeah. It's fulfilling to be able to help a student, you know? You look at nurses, you know, and you're changing bedpans and blood and, and this. And, or, you're, you know, you're working with special needs kids and, and you have to change diapers, adult, whatever it might be. But it's that drive. It's what you want to do and, and you're doing it. Yeah. You know? And like you said, success might always be that financial reward, but it's just that the, the self-fulfilling reward part of it. So. It takes a lot of uh, self-introspection, I think. I think you mm-hmm. need to be honest with yourself. I think you need to look internally and go, well, what is it that I want to do? And if look, if you don't know yet, that's okay. Go try a couple things, yes. right? I mean, that's how I landed where I landed. I tried a couple things. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. Okay, now I like this. Um, letting other people dictate where you need to go, right. certainly a recipe for failure, right? Yeah. I mean – and even with your parents, I mean, it's all well-meaning, right? Mm-hmm. Being an accountant, being an insurance sales guy, like it's it's well-meaning. Like, hey, I worked my whole, whole life to get this and I could help you accelerate your learning curve here. Yeah, but I don't want to do that. I mean, how many how many kids do you know that go into the family business and do so begrudgingly or don't go into the family business because that's just not for me? We're all different people, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. we're going to go and do the things that hopefully make us fulfilled and when you do that then you have success and you gotta listen listening is key be willing be a little humble be willing to learn right you know and that somebody's opinion or somebody's idea might be good you know like as you know you've been doing it a certain way for for a long time well hey that's that's a good idea. you know i should yeah take, take somebody's opinion you know be willing to listen and you could be 48 you could be 28 18 you always could learn you could always still go and learn something new and it can't be too like it's my way or the highway. You yeah, can't. I think it's a big success principle: be teachable, yeah. always be teachable, right? Because if you're always teachable, you're once you stop learning, you're dead, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I mean, yeah. there's always something new to apply, and what you can apply it to relationships, you can apply it to your family life, you can apply it to your business life, you can apply it to whatever, right? But if you're listening to different people with different viewpoints in you know in an open, honest way then, yeah, you have something to learn and well, to apply. and you got to adapt. So what you knew in 1990 is probably no longer true in 2020, you know, when it comes to, to business. And I see that a lot in my industry where, you know, realtors don't want to adapt. They Real estate wanna, especially is in the Stone Age, right? Yeah, they just want to do things the way it was done before. You know, it worked for me before, and I'm just going to continue to do it like that. Um, and I understand why, you know, because it was easy. But uh, it becomes a point where, all right, well, do you want to see growth? Are you happy with kind of seeing your business fall by the wayside? So it always comes down to, all right, well, so how bad do you want it? If you're 60 years old, maybe you don't want it that bad anymore, which is fine. Yeah. You know? But and you're winding down. Right. You're winding down. Right. That's fine. But then what can I do for you? You know, why, why are you here? You right. Know, if I can't do anything for you, then I don't know. For me, it's kind of like. That's a one-way street. That's not really what I'm looking for as a, as a leader. I want people that are coachable, that are going to take the new things that are coming, uh, you know, and, and try to get ahead of the curve and try to implement those things um, so they can grow. Yeah, and they I mean, probably don't belong on your bus anymore. Right. Right? I mean, if one of your core values is growth and they're not adhering to that core value because they don't want to grow or change or learn, mm-hmm. then it's probably time for them to get off the bus. 
They right? can tie in. I mean, I, I, I do think a lot of people do come in and they like to see kind of people doing those things. Um, and maybe they'll glean off some things, you know, here and there. But um, listen, I mean, uh, it's just the way of life. I think in 2040, when we look back and there'll be, I don't know, insane ways of doing business then. And at that point, I'll probably not want to be doing those things. Well, flying I, cars, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'll be at the point. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> for robots that will, you know, walk you through a house. Who knows? And But it's adapting, you know, yeah. so. That's that's the issue I think with a uh, with a lot of people. They don't know how to adapt. Do you think the market we're in? You know, obviously we're on the Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have some. Well, you know, it's it's a middle class, middle upper class. Would you say community? Like, if you went to say Bumble, Idaho, do you think the tools that you are using now you could use there as well? Or you were sure, saying? I think with the internet and with social media. Uh, people can tap into it. I think that the well, I know that the small, like smaller towns or smaller areas, they're probably a little bit more behind the curve because mm-hmm. nobody's pushing the envelope right. to do those things, and everybody's kind of just waiting to see who actually does it, who's going to put in the work and actually does it. Uh, I got a friend of mine and his wife's in uh, like the Poconos area, and uh, it was almost like they were two, two to three years behind. They're not doing right. professional photography. Nobody's doing video, so he knew what we did down here and what worked. She went. And she just, within a year, just crushed it. And she's like the number one agent within Nobody one year of being it. in business because everybody was kind of resting on their laurels. Mm-hmm. They just felt like this is just the way it's done and nobody's pushing the envelope out here. And she came in and she wrecked it. Yeah, <laughs> She's doing billboards. She's doing video. They're doing social media. Mm-hmm. And now they're playing catch up because now they've got to adapt. But now they're years behind because – they just they're not in that right. mode to kind of build. They're they've been busy with everything else that they've got going on, counting their money. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't lay back. Right. You know, you gotta figure out how to continue to grow and even even in our business, I mean it's we have competition, right? We have other people that buy apartment complexes and build self storage facilities. So like what's gonna differentiate us? And really it's how we communicate with our investors. You know, they're part of the team. Right? So we make it very accessible for them to be a part of the project even if they're 500 miles away, you know, in terms of touching it, feeling it, mm-hmm. putting live video streams up on it, giving them monthly rent roll reports and stuff. Like, you know, it's it, there's different ways to get out there and to make your business more accessible, more so now than ever before. Right? So if you're not doing that, then somebody else is going to jump the line. They're going to get in front of your customer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's, they're going to get the attention. So I think that's awesome because it tells the story of that project. So you, I follow it. Right. I'm not even part of the project, but I'm following the transition and, you know, it's built and it's it's pretty cool to see it. Yeah. So and now you're actually proving <laughs> concept, right. which is I think well, that's the most important thing. Yeah, And you're not even on the back end of it where you can log in like on your account and see the updated pictures and videos. And fo- I mean, the stuff I put on social media is great, but mm-hmm. it's a fraction of, of what the available. investors are getting. What would happen? I always like think about this. Even with all, even like radio, the way it is. Say if somebody, there's a, a plug, unplug the internet. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like it just went away. Mm. Like we're back to. Who would survive, right? Yeah. So this is a big piece of it that I, I've just been having this conversation recently. Um, Al Gore took the internet away. So. <laughs> Massive disruption. He brought, he gave it to us, I think. So he <laughs> invented the internet. Al Gore invented the internet. Yeah. Um, he says he did at least. So 
what I find is interesting, and you guys probably are seeing this too and probably incorporating it back into your life. So everybody could do pay-per-click advertising. Everybody could do the massive social media stuff. And there's more competition in that space. So what we do is we make sure that we get on the phone and still make that personal connection with our investors especially, right? Yeah. I mean, people give us their hard-earned money, so we, we want to make sure that they're feeling good, feeling connected. But a lot of these guys just take money in, right? And then they, here's your pictures. Here's your reports. Mm, right. But like, how many people are getting phone calls? We, we send handwritten notes, right, on their investment anniversary, like, like a gift card. Oh, like, cool. Hey, man, thanks so much for trusting us with your hard-earned money. And so if they took the internet away, I'd still win because we'll figure out a way to win because yeah. all business is personal, right? That's all it is. It's connection. You can be connected more now because of the internet and because of social media, but cold calling, sending mail, that stuff is becoming a lost art mm-hmm. because everybody's afraid to do it. It's hard to do. So the people that are going back to that or at least implementing that as part of their business plan, I think are going to continue to crush it. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'll still get on a plane and go see an investor in California and sit down and go have dinner with him because he gave me a big check that we invested into a great project. But face-to-face time, yeah. right? Like let's, let's make sure that we're still connecting. We're all human beings. And at the end of the day, you'll never take away the fact that people do business with who they know, like, and trust. And how do you build those three things? Yeah. No, it's very true. I mean, you know, it's it's basics. So I think that's part of what the new millennials are going to struggle with is the face-to-face contact, talking on the phone. So did we talk about that on this show too? I feel like we always do, right? Like make your kids call and pay their phone bill, mm-hmm. right? Call somebody with my and daughter pay their auto last insurance. Week, car, car insurance. Right. Yeah. I'm like, do it yourself. Yeah. She wanted me to do it. I'm like, no. I can't text that in? No, you can't. You have to call a human being. You have to solve a problem on the phone in real time. Mm -hmm. Can you do that? And it's shocking how many people cannot do that. Well, I think it's crazy. I don't know how much time we got left. But even like in the schools, they're taking away analog clocks because kids can't tell time. Like they're, they're getting rid- That's insane. It's a, first of all, you're a school. Teach them. Right. right. Teach them how to you to the big hand and little hand. But they're taking them out of schools because kids don't know how to read them. All they know is digital. Yeah. It's crazy. I still remember my Mickey Mouse watch. Yes. I was five I mean, years old, man. I have it in my, I actually have uh, my, my mom's. It's in my uh, bedroom. It's in my drawer. Yeah. For when, like, that I took after we cleaned out her house. after she I wasn't over. allowed to wear a watch until I learned how to tell time. And that was how I had to learn how to tell time. Yeah. But they're taking them out of schools because wow. people can't. They don't want people to think anymore. <laughs> yeah, just feed the information, right? Damn kids, yeah. get off my lawn. Like <laughs> you a bunch kids of crazy in your man. music. <laughs> get out of here. You're hippies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, what's, uh, what's ahead for the future for you? Anything on the, on the horizon? You know, um, I want to make, I do want to make more money. I want to move up to like, you know, I love where we are. We're in the media market. You know, I would love to work in New York City. I would love to work for a big city and a big radio station, bigger market. Um, but I do like being here as well. I, I like, I like home. It feels homey here. Like, you know, um, one of the things I always wanted to do when I was, what I was, I wish I would have done when I was 20s or 30s was lived in New York City. You know, I love the energy of New York City. I love, I love, I'm a beach bum now, but I still love going up to New York City. Sure. I, I love that energy and whatever. But I also know people did it. It was very lonely for them, too. You're in a city with, with millions of people. No connections. No connections, you know? Um, you know, I'd like to be more successful. I'm not, I'm not done growing, you know? I like doing what I'm doing. I want, I want to further my career. You know, if I could uh, make it as a, a program director in this industry or market, whatever it might be, um, I, I want to do more, I, you know? I'm always looking to try new things, too, you know? Um, 
Maybe I'll give you guys a call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never know. You never know. You never you do know. know. Be a good um, real estate guy. Yeah. I, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to be too complacent with what I do. I love coming into work every day. And yeah, you kind of get into that routine and everything. You get complacent, but you know, I, I want to still grow. I'm 48 years old. Um, I don't feel like by any means I'm old, you know? Um, just getting started. I think so. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I just love to be doing what I, what I do. If I could help people out along the way with whatever it might be. Just in general, just help them with their lives even. Yeah. You know? Well, so far, man, you're doing a great job of that. I appreciate, that. appreciate everything that you're doing here at the radio station, of course, Oceans of Love and all the other charities that you're a part of. Thank you. And uh, thanks for being open and honest with us about, you know, your kind of path to success. And certainly the uh, the biggest takeaway for me is, uh, you know, I want to still grow. I still want yeah. to learn. I still want to do other things. Because to me, that that is where success lives. So that's that's the crux of it all. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the Finding Success Radio Show. Thank Andy guys. Chase, thank you for being in the studio. Justin Bozak, as always. I'm Stephen Libman. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Finding Success Show. For more exclusive content and previous episodes, check out successradioshow.com. That's www.successradioshow.com.